everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dribble Podcast. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper, taking you through another season of talking to guests from the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx, and WA Basketball in general to give you the best insight possible into what's happening in the sport throughout this state. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Perth Wildcats coach John Rilly to sum up the end of a season which at times promised plenty, but at other times just disappointed. And then we'll speak to Perth Lynx guard Taya Burrows ahead of their run home and about the challenges that she faced during the off-season, which she overcame to get to where she is at the moment. But first, John really was our first guest on the dribble this season, and I'm happy to say he's agreed to come back on to chat about the season that was. John really, welcome back to the Dribble Podcast. Thanks, Craig. So we spoke at the start of the season about the challenges of being a first-time head coach at any level. What's the biggest lesson for you now that the season is done? Yeah, look, uh, reflecting on that probably several times throughout the year is uh, trusting yourself, uh, keeping your circle small and just try to make incremental progress as you go through the season. So it's really interesting around that, that you got to that middle part of the year when you were five and seven and, and the season was teetering, and then you made some, the bold call, change the starting five, bring in Ty Webster, reduce rotations. Was that, that ability to trust yourself, was that when you started to feel like you could do that? Oh, look, uh, absolutely. And look, when I, when I took over the job late in July, um, you know, I'd been outside the NBL for... Uh, 12 years and people within this organization had been you know around the nbl and the group for for you know a long time so i took their feedback um you know and so forth um but then as i got comfortable and trusted my eyes and so forth that's when i decided to make the changes so do you feel having all this experience now in the first year i would imagine is just an absolute wave of stuff that's crashing on top of your head where you've got to make all these decisions. Do you think you'd be vastly better placed to be entering next season knowing exactly what style of play you want, how you're going to manage the team and all the other expectations that come around it? Yeah, look, uh, I think in any job when you take a new one and you're excited about it, you try to conquer Rome in a day. Uh, and I certainly came in uh, with an aggressive mindset of like taking care of business in the first month, you know, where it'll take years to you know, develop and build those things. Um, so I guess I take more of a, what are the, what are the things that really need to be addressed? What's important? What's not important? Delegating better, all that type of stuff. So, uh, when you do have to make the big decisions, uh, you, you're thinking with a clear mind and you're very confident in what you're doing. So when you look at it, you finished sixth at the end of the regular season and lost five games to teams that finished below you, yet you mm-hmm. won six games against teams that finished in the top four. You had a yep. five-game losing streak, but you won a final on the road. So you're riding an absolute roller coaster. How do you think that happened now that you look back on it? What, what were the what were the, the red flags that make you go, we couldn't just stay level? Yeah, uh, look, just our consistency with our play at both ends of the floor, um, you know, to, to be in the upper tier, the top tier of teams in any sporting competition, consistency is usually one of the ingredients. We just weren't consistent. Uh, that reflects in in-game. Uh, it also reflects when we have a five-game losing streak. Um, so, look, uh, in due time, I'll revisit all the games uh, and and see what I think we can do better. But I, I just think towards the end, 
um, everyone was a little comfortable and knew what to expect, um, you know, me of the players and the players of me. Um, so moving forward, I think uh, having a little consistency within our group and organisation uh, should reap some good benefits. So obviously the goal is to, to win the whole thing and that's all, that's always going <laughs> to yeah. be where you're sitting no matter what. We all understand that. But when you look at the squad that you have now and the way it all panned out, do you feel that um, when you reflect back that, this squad itself underachieved or do you think that when that you finished where you probably deserved to be based on what you were able to see throughout the entire season yeah look uh, when when you talk about winning championships it's easy just to jump to the conclusion and say you underachieved uh you know look we just lost on sunday so everything's still a little fresh raw emotional um so as time chips away and we look uh with more of a uh, clear lens instead of a blurred lens then we can decide whether you know this team was where it should have been overachieved underachieved um, but I do think you need to look at it when the emotion is out of it so you make the best decisions to move forward so it's Fans and media have been asking the same questions, whether it was yourself or, or whether it was Scott last year, around the past two seasons, and that's been around the issues of defence and rebounding. And yep. given it's two squads and two coaches, the question is asked, is the squad missing a piece of the jigsaw puzzle? Is it the actual that you don't have the type of player that's required, even though everyone individually is good players? Do you think you had the appropriate strengths from this group to, to maximise what you needed in the rebounding and defensive capabilities? Oh, look, we we obviously lack in that area because that mightn't be the natural strengths of some of our players and you hope as a group you can you can conquer those deficiencies as a group um now moving forward the these are certainly areas that we will address and you try and address you know the easiest way and that's just finding someone with that talent and skill set uh sometimes we forget that comes at a cost uh it might necessarily fit in uh with the makeup of the franchise and and you know we have to remember you got to produce a good product on the court but you also got to have great people off the floor as well um but you know first and foremost it, it has to work in your price range as well uh it's very easy to say let's go and get someone that can do this well um there's only so many high-end quality people in a, at an elite skill whatever industry you work in you know, there's only so many Craig O'Donoghue's, you know, that get around in the media world. So uh, it's easy to say and it's easy to reflect. Our job is to try and find someone and hopefully that fits in uh, to our plan and it all matches up. And how big in your planning is getting as many real high quality Aussies as you possibly can and then working out <laughs> whether there's anyone else who, want, who you can afford from overseas? Yeah, look, that's uh, my, my own philosophy, experience, belief. If you have the best uh, local talent, uh, you're going to give yourself a very good chance of winning the NBL year in and year out. You look at the Perth rosters when they're at their best, loaded with Australian talent. You take the Sydney Kings, who's the number one team this year. You could argue uh, two of their starting five uh, uh you know, in the top five as far as Australian talent goes within this league. So uh, we certainly uh, have an emphasis and want to try and uh, boost our talent level locally first before we then address the import situation. 
And from a planning perspective for you from here, you arrived in Australia in late July, which is pretty yep. late, the same yep. as what Scott Morris had, the same problem when he when he came in because he was insanely late. He got in a day before their first first game. Like, How important is it for you to be able to be knowing you've got a job from here to, to work on and plan for the entire off-season to get what you need as opposed to inheriting a roster or a, a game plan or everything else that the players are already thinking about until suddenly you lob on their doorstep? Yeah, look, I think everyone involved in this can move forward knowing where the club is going uh playing wise coaching wise and then just you know with the ownership group you know a lot of bit lots been centered around that as well so as we move forward just the comfortability uh and familiarity with it all um you know i think we can just make strides now we have to improve and we've got to keep building and all of those types of things but uh i think the players do have comfort knowing where the club is going in the future can you take us inside the todd blanchfield situation it was a three-year contract goes from a starter and playing for the boomers to not getting on court much and in fact only on court for five minutes and 44 seconds across the last six games the move yep. worked because you won so that's great and you've done what you had to do as a coach but it, it raises all, all sorts of questions around what it means for him and his future given he's got two years left as i said can you take us inside the, the conversations with him and what what it means for him going forward Look, um, our communication throughout the year, uh, you know, we watch film. Uh, he certainly got an opportunity um, at the front half of the season uh, with with his playing time. Uh, so when we sit down and watch film and we talk about strategy and what, what he's doing, good, bad or indifferent, uh, first and foremost, Todd Blanchfield is knowing, known as a shooter. Um, so that's, that's the skill that you have to – be performing at a high level because that that's at the end of the day that's what you're getting paid for um so we we work through that we play through that uh other guys made the most of their opportunity um and as you saw like i played guys that were playing well i forget exactly which game it was todd hadn't been playing many minutes at all but then he came out and he played well and he continued to play minutes that could be said for anyone on our team this year so about moving forward todd blanchfield is contracted to the perth wildcats i'm operating like he will be on the roster next year um, but we have not conducted any exit interviews with players or staff because like i mentioned earlier on i want to make sure when we sit down we are doing it with a clear mind and no one regrets anything that they say Another bloke who I think fans are infatuated by, um, and he's not even on the main roster, uh, Ollie Hayes-Brown. Everyone yep. remembers him getting 13 points and 11 rebounds in a preseason game, and people ask sure. me to ask you about him all the time, and I, my, often my response is, well, if he's not getting on court, there's no point asking him now. But now that the season's over, like, um, mm-hmm. where, where's he sit? Because uh, fans love him. He got massive cheer when he came on court at RSC around late in the season. People say, why doesn't he get more opportunities? Yeah, that, it's, a, it's a great question. Now, um, every day a player comes and gets an opportunity of practice to show their value and worth. I value practice and the process of becoming a good player. So you have that opportunity to show what you're about. Now, you do with it what you want. As you move forward, I understood who Ollie Hayes-Brown was as a person. He understands how I operate. 
and then you come to some type of comfortability uh, and you move forward. And that's why he got some opportunity towards the tail end of the season. Um, but for me, like every day, every player has an opportunity of practice to show their value. And that's where you've got to grab your opportunities, isn't it? Correct. Is Luke Travers ready to go to the US or do you expect him to be with you for next season? Oh, look, that's a that's a great question because we saw great strides in his game uh, and then statistically towards the end of the year. I'm not sure what the Cavs have in mind for his immediate future, uh, but the Perth Wildcats were forging ahead uh, trying to make sure that Luke Travers is a Perth Wildcat if he's not with the Cavs. How much how, how much improvement did you see from him this year? Like we, we all look at him differently to how you look at him. We, there were times we were absolutely amazed at how he went. Did you notice this dramatic change in him as a human being and a player? Yeah, look, I think uh, outwardly he's starting to demonstrate that he's comfortable uh, first and foremost about who he is and where he sits in the basketball landscape and his production and playing and his value to the team. So uh, I think great growth with just him and his confidence with who he is. Um, his playing, I think uh, there's become a level of consistency and expectation and realistic expectation. Uh, I think sometimes when you're young and talented, uh, it's easy for people to get giddy before there's any kind of validity to it all. This year, I think he's got consistent opportunity, got to play through mistakes and so forth. So, that's where his consistency started to grow. Um, is it at the level where he's probably happy with or the franchise? No, but like th- that's the growth and development of a young player. And I just think he will continue to grow in that uh, as he gets more comfortable, uh, you know, with the team and the expectation of being a drafted NBA prospect. And just finally, you're a different coach to what you were from the first time you stepped out on court. You're, you're, you're a bit calmer, actually, I'd say, by the end of the season, which is quite amazing because you were still up and about. Uh, how did you find that whole experience, of course? Because at the start of the year, I reckon we even discussed it, you looked like you were ready to kill someone at different points. So did you find that you, you found water finds its level, as you say? Did you find your level for the comfortability of, where, uh, of that role? Uh, Look, I really felt like I needed to hit the ground running when I took this job for my own benefit, for the team to understand what drives me and then the franchise. Um, So I really felt and, you know, our preseason, like uh, you mentioned, like I got the job in really late July. Um, I hadn't really ever been around any of these guys as players like I'd been around Blanchfield and Norton when they were young entering the NBL. But as far as them knowing who I was and the players, you know, I, I had to hit the ground running. I had to hit it with an energy and a vigor where they could see what I was about. Um, so as everyone understood where they laid in the land, you know, you, you can, you know, find, find that level where you can cater to all things that need to be taken care of as a coach. Well, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. I know today is an extremely busy day. You've made yourself available um, fantastically all season as the coach. Didn't work out as you wanted to, but I know Wildcats fans appreciate hearing from you and hopefully the off-season and next season um, you continue to rise back up that ladder. So thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, Craig. Anytime.
Well, Perth Lynx are at a crucial point of their season. There are five games to go. They're 9-7 and seven with matches against Adelaide and Southside this weekend. And my next guest will be hoping to have a big impact in keeping the Lynx in finals contention. Taya Burrows, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, it's a huge week given Bendigo are ahead of you but have lost three in a row. You know you've got them next week, but you've got these two games you've got to get against Adelaide and Southside first to keep that pressure on them. How's that build-up going? Um, yeah, really good so far, obviously. Um, disappointing to to lose those two games against um, Townsville, which were massive for us. But um, I think we're just having that next game mentality and, you know, every game's really important to us um, at the moment. So, yeah, just focusing on uh, yeah one game at a time and, yeah, just hopefully yeah, win, win every game on from here now. <laughs> Can you sense the urgency as it gets to this point of the year where everything really matters? You can't afford any slip-ups? I think so. I think, um, you know, any season that you play in heading in towards finals, there's always a bit more of urgency, I guess, um, in terms of like wanting to win and stuff. But especially this year, I mean, top five teams are just so tight and, you know, anyone can beat anyone at this present point. Um, So, yeah, I think, yeah, there's definitely a level of urgency. But I think, like I said, we're trying to stay pretty level-headed and just focus on, on one game at a time and, yeah, go from there. Your season's been really interesting to watch. In fact, your past few seasons, they've always got a bit of a theme around them, I recommend. A lot of them have been through to injury or illness in the past. But I, saw, I watched you the other day after that Townsville match, and you and your boyfriend were out on court having shots for about 30 minutes after the game. It's obviously extra work you have done this season. You look significantly fitter. Uh, how much work have you done to get yourself into this sort of shape that you're in at the moment? Uh, yeah, to be honest, the last 12 to 18 months have been really tough for me, I think. Um, obviously, with the fractured back, um, I did think at the beginning of the injury, I didn't really realise how significant it was and how hard it was going to be to, you know, get through that. Um, but yeah, I've had to do a lot, really start from the bottom and work myself back up again. Um, literally had to just do walking for, yeah, the first few months of my rehab, couldn't do anything else. Um, and then from there on, have just had to really build up in terms of strength, conditioning and, and really, yeah, start from the bottom and, and build myself up. But um, yeah, I'm feeling really good right now and and yeah, really, really happy with yeah how my body's feeling. It's probably the best I've felt in a while, so really happy. So fractured back isn't a phrase that most people experience at any point in their lives. Let's go back to how it happened and when you knew you were in strife. Um, so pretty much NBL 1 2021, um, I was playing for the Flames and towards the back end of the season, I started to get a bit of a, a pain in my back and uh, being the person that I am, you know, I'm, I'm going to finish the season. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to give up halfway through kind of thing. I wanted to finish it. And then after NBL 1, we'll sit down and, and figure out what's going on. But uh, to be honest, at the time, I really just thought it was muscular and that it was <laughs> nothing like too uh, severe, I guess. And then uh, NBL 1 finished. And to be honest, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that we got knocked out in the first round. Um, and then I got scans on my back and stress fracture um, in my lower back region, which turned out to be a lot more significant than what I uh, yeah, originally anticipated. And basically it wasn't from a, a one fall or something like that. It was from me um, being crazy and training every day and not having rest days and being a bit silly. Um, yeah, I, I just that person who, you know, wants to 
do everything, I guess. And I overtrained when I was younger and, yeah, pretty much it's just kind of built up from a couple of years of, yeah, craziness from myself. But I've definitely learnt through this. Um, got to be a bit more responsible and, and mature with uh, my body and looking after it and recovery and stuff like that. <laughs> It hasn't been easy for you. Like you had the, the the issue with your appendix, where you're in all sorts of bother on Christmas. You've had bro- other broken bones along the way. Like, do you feel like everything that could go wrong from an athletic point of view has gone wrong with your body, and you're only 21? Yeah, I yeah. The, my first four years of my professional career haven't been the smoothest. You would say um, glandular fever, and then um, yeah, the appendix the next year, and then stress fracture in the back. I mean, it's not. Yeah, not how I would have loved it to go, but um, I think it's definitely, yeah, uh, shaped me to be the person I am today, I guess, in terms of resilience and, and stuff like that because, yeah, to be honest with you, it, it has been a rough few years and, like, mentally and physically it has kind of taken it out of me, but I've figured out, you know, you got to bounce back and, and focusing on the things that I could control when I was in those tough situations. Um, I think it's really held me in good stead, to be honest. So anyone who's had any sort of injury, whether you miss a month or whether you miss, if you're unfortunate enough to miss a year, like you always know that rebuilding the base of your fitness is the hardest part, and you've had to rebuild and rebuild and rebuild that that, <laughs> that fitness base. So, how hard has it been just to constantly have to start from scratch over and over again to get back to just a normal level where you're able to compete? Yeah, I, I think yeah, it has been really hard physically and again like mentally. Um, I think, like, a confidence thing as well, like, having to start again is just, yeah, it's hard and you do have to pick yourself up, but I guess I've been lucky enough to have a good support network around me and um, and links and and the Flames have been really awesome in that aspect, um, just helping me, you know, along the way and, you know, they've stuck by me this long, which, I mean, yeah, I'm really grateful for that because I haven't had a smooth run um, and it's been tough. But, um, yeah, I, I can't thank enough all my S&C coaches along the way, like um, Wolski, Adam Wolski and, and Sean Connolly have really helped me build myself back up um, through these setbacks. So, yeah, it's credit to them. Um, and then, yeah, a bit of resilience and, and just keeping on pushing. It's been tough, but, yeah, get there in the end. <laughs> And, and you're clearly leaner this year as well. Was that a deliberate decision because of, of the back or is it just the, the amount of work you've done which has been able to get you to, to this sort of physical shape at the moment? Uh, yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, um, when I first initially found out I had a fracture in my spine, I, I literally couldn't do anything. Like I, At the start, I couldn't even go for a walk. It was literally like I had to stay off my feet as much as possible so um I kind of sat down and I thought to myself well I'm having you know six months off I can't do anything what are the things that I can control and that was my diet and stuff like that um which didn't have any physical demands on my body or anything like that so I really um yeah I, I sourced out some people who I trusted and um worked on my diet and my goal was to come out leaner um for this next coming season because I knew I could work on that without hurting my back or doing anything like that. And I did put a lot of my yeah, concentration and focus on my diet during that period because it did kind of take my mind off the injury and, and not playing basketball. So I really, yeah, put a lot of effort and energy into that. And, yeah, I'm 
honestly stoked with um, how that all turned out, working with um, Sean Connolly. He really helped me with the nutrition side of things as well, um, which was really great. And, um, yeah, feeling really great right now. And you're, not, you're not a big human, it's fair to say, and you're, and, and you're coming up against a lot of big big people out, out on the court and you've got a back injury from the past. So how much does that concern you when you're going into harm's way? Are you totally over it mentally now or are you quite comfortable with the way you play where you are going to put yourself into positions where you're going to get smashed? Uh, I won't lie. Once I step on the court, it doesn't even cross my mind that I had a back injury, to be honest. I just go out there and I know I'm going to get hit and cop some big hits. Um, it's the way I play and I I tend to be known as a bit of a pest and a bit annoying on the court. So um, it's going to happen, I think, where I get cleaned up a bit. Um, but yeah, no, nah, honestly, when I step onto that court, that doesn't even cross my mind at all. It's like, I'm here to play. Let's go kind of thing. So no, nah, not at all. And you certainly are here to play. I've described you as the energizer bunny of the, the team. You are one pace, and that's flat out all all the time. Like, how do you, how have you been able to always play with that sort of style? Is it, is it just something that's come naturally that you just know you're, you're downhill and having a crack, no matter what what happens once you get that ball? Yeah, I think so. It's just uh, yeah, even from a young age, I've just always, um, you know, I'm going out there and I'm going to give it a hundred percent. And if you know, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, fractured back, whatever. I'm going to try and give it everything, you know, to win. Uh, I'm not a good loser. So, yeah, pretty much, um, yeah, full full gas, no breaks. I'm, I'm going hard no matter what. <laughs> full gas, no breaks. That's brilliant. You, you've, been, you've been around the league for so long, but you're only 21. So you were a starter in that 2020 hub season at times. Where do you see your career at the moment? Um, yeah, it's obviously been very up and down and, just through the injuries and stuff like that. But also I've had some really good opportunities up until right now, like you said, the hub season. I Yeah, we had um, people pull out and, and injuries and stuff like that. So um, COVID and whatnot was going on. So I got the opportunity to step up when I was, uh, I think, freshly 18. So that was crazy. And, you know, playing against some of my yeah idols growing up was just like an awesome experience. So, yeah, I've had some good opportunities um, so far. And, yeah, obviously still, yeah, taking my opportunities now. We've got a, a bit more of a deeper deeper team and whatnot like that. So I'm just trying to play my role and, and do what I can for the team. But, yeah, obviously hoping in the in the future to keep pushing my way into the lineup. So you had the, the full hub season in Queensland and you had half a hub, really, when you went to Ballarat. So you've been living with people like Katie Ebsery and Sammy Wickham and Jackie Young and Marina Mabry, big, <laughs> some of the biggest names in the world. And being able to watch them train, live, and and play. What did, what did you take from those two seasons where you you're in that little bubble and you're playing and living around the job that you want to do? So what what were you able to, to just take from that to make you a better player? Yeah, it's pretty crazy to actually think about that. Some of the people I've been able to you know learn off and and stuff like that. And I think um, Katie Ebsery was a massive one for me in that hub season. Um, I really tried to just soak up as much as I could from her um she's just an awesome leader and was a bloody great player um so yeah I really tried to just ask her as many questions as I could in that season and really um learn as much as I could um but yeah watching girls like you said like Marina and Jackie go about their work and stuff like that um yeah basically like I just said just try to ask them as many questions as I could and sometimes you just sit there in awe kind of watching like is this really happening like I'm teammates with these girls like what the heck um and it was honestly kind of like that when we versed um Lauren Jackson against Southside like I was defending her I got caught on her on the three-point line I was kind of defending. I was like oh damn this is really happening right now like I'm guarding Lauren Jackson so yeah it's been it's been cool um and yeah honestly super grateful for 
for all those like elite players that I've been able to learn off and yeah it's just been really good experience for me and your best game this year was against the best of the best. You're up against the Boomers the other week, and Melbourne have got such a stacked team, 15 points from 17 minutes, and the team won. You were massive. What did that game do for you? Yeah, obviously um, a game like that will definitely give you a lot of confidence. Um, but this whole season I've just had the mindset to stay ready because you never really know when your name's going to be called to you know, go on. So that's been my mindset throughout is just to stay ready and, and be ready because you never know when your name's going to be called. Um, and, yeah, literally... I knew that obviously we had some uh, big names out, like Sammy was out that game, so I knew I would have an opportunity to step up, and yeah, I did, so I was really stoked with that, and obviously to get the win um, as a group was awesome. And you're waiting for your opportunity, as you say, you don't know when you're going to be called. This is your minutes from different points this week, this season, so you've gone from 16 minutes to six to two lots of three minutes, then you had 11 minutes on court, then you didn't play at all. Then you went 11, 12, 17, 18, and 7. So it's, it's wildly different. So you don't know how to prepare. How, how big a challenge is that when you're not sure whether you're going to be needed in a big role or whether you're going to be needed in a small role? Yeah, it, it honestly is pretty tough, to be honest, um, in this position. But like I said, you honestly have to prepare like you are going to play the full 40 minutes of, of every game. And, and that has been my mindset. Um I know that uh, my role in my t- in this team is to come in and, and bring energy. So I'm um, preparing for games. I have a few things that I focus on um, leading in. And, and whenever my name is called, I go out there and, and do those things for the team. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly happy to, whether it's two minutes, one minute, zero minutes, 20 minutes, whatever I have to do for this team to win, um, yeah, I'm happy to do so. And not many people like getting pushed around in sport, but it's very important that you do get pushed around because you are the Energizer Bunny. The team has this game day tradition of chucking you in the middle of a circle and just <laughs> shoving you around as part of the preparation for the game. How on earth did that come about? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> honestly, I don't really know. It just kind of started uh, a few years ago where, I don't know, I, I have a good relationship with all my teammates Um in the team and I don't know if it's them taking out a bit of anger from training and stuff when they get on their skin they kind of just like push me around but I'm um, very high energy and uh, very loud try to get the girls going so I just jump in there and I think one yeah one game I think I just jumped in the middle and started screaming and then next minute I had people pushing me and then since then it's just kind of stuck so no I love it I love you know helping the girls get up and about for a game and yeah it's uh, I love doing it for every game it's great. We mentioned some of the people you've played with before. It's been a big week for a former teammate of yours. Marina Mabry has moved from Dallas to Chicago, and the salary that's been reported is $300,000 a year Australian. Um, It's a fair payday she's got, and she's, work- and she's worked extremely hard to get it. You must be stoked for her. Yeah, super stoked. I actually um, flicked her a message the other day to say congrats. Um, she deserves every every bit she gets. She um, yeah works so hard and is just so crazy 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 athlete so she deserves everything she gets and indigenous round for the WNBL this week uh, you had the uh, the indigenous uniform unveiled at training with Cheryl Kicker Tucker there the other day to uh, explain what it all meant what, what what how important is this round to all, all of the players and what you've been able to learn about the indigenous culture and about the, the club culture as well yeah I, I think it's really important obviously um, we we have a few indigenous athletes in our league um, really elite caliber girls like um ali wilson and and people like that abby cabillo um shanice swain um and they represent their culture um really well and i think you know it's it's time for everyone to to learn a bit more about that culture and and educate themselves so i think this is a really good um round to yeah you know um 
yeah, create awareness, I guess, and, and educate people on their culture and, and what it means to them. Well, thanks for joining us. You're, you're fun to watch. You're amazingly inspirational, I reckon, with the amount of injuries you've, you've returned from to continue to play at the level that you do. So hopefully your body looks after you from here on in because you've tried to look after it and hopefully things continue to go really, really well for both yourself and the team. So thanks for coming on the Drill Podcast. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for this week, and it's also it for this regular season of the Dribble Podcast. It's been a big season, and I'd like to thank all of the people who gave up their time to come on as guests. From the Perth Wildcats, we had coach John Rilly, GM of basketball operations Danny Mills, three-time MVP Bryce Cotton, along with import Brady Manick, Craig Hutchison from the ownership team, Luke Travers, associate head coach Mike Kelly, and Corey Sherville as he returned from injury. We have retired stars Ricky Grace, Andrew Vlahov, Sean Redditch, and Ben Pepper. The NBL commissioner Jeremy Loliger was good enough to give us some of his time, and head of the WNBL Christy Collier. We were fortunate enough to have her come on and speak to us. From the Perth Lynx, we had Lauren Scherf, Amy Atwell, Robbie Ryan, Chloe Bibby, Jesse Edwards, Taya Burrows, and Ruby Blahov. We were very lucky to have some special American guests. Brooklyn Nets assistant coach and WA's own Adam Caporn. Wasn't it great to have Cleveland Cavaliers GM Mike Gansey when he was in town? And our WA trio of college stars from St. Mary's, Alex Dukas, Kyle Bowen, and Harry Wessels. And we were also extremely fortunate to hear the in-depth stories of Melbourne Boomer and Australian Opal Kayla George, along with former Wildcat and Brisbane Bullet Devondrick Walker. And a massive thank you to our guests from an episode we had in between seasons when Scott and Suzanne Morrison bravely told their autism story, which had a massive impact on our community. And they have continued to do a great amount of work in the US and Canada to spread awareness with Scott while he coaches in the NBA G League. To the producers who helped to pull all of this together, the magnificent Kate Ryan, Shannon Bevan, Samantha Rogers, and on the boo today, Michaela Channing. She's just arrived at the last second, but she's uh, helped us pull all this together today. So thank you to you all. And to the people who answer the phone to make the guests available, particularly Emma Payne at the Perth Wildcats and Lauren Breen at the Lynx, your work is appreciated. You'll know that Perth Lynx still have several weeks to go with their season and you can continue to read all about their exploits along with everything else that's happening with the Wildcats at both the west.com.au and in the West Australian newspaper. If the Lynx make the finals, we'll certainly be back with some bonus episodes and when anything else requiring a, a deep dive occurs during the off-season, we'll be sure to have special episodes for you as well with those to keep you in the loop. So thank you for listening. Appreciate you giving us some of your time. And we're back next season or just in the off-season with more from the Dribble Podcast.